Hey folks, we're back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 125. <laughs> Remote edition. Yeah. 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 What's up, you guys? I'm uh, I'm calling in remotely. That's right, Joel. Uh, how are things? How are things going in New Orleans? Good, man. How are things going with you? You're in Washington D.C. right now, uh, dog sitting. Dog and house sitting. Got a big old German Shepherd. Who, if he makes some noise, I'm gonna create him in the middle of the podcast. But uh, he's good. It's a you know he's a rescue dog. Uh, whatever he's he's good. Well, you he you need I, to you need to be rescued. That's for sure. At least once a day. Um, that's true. Everyone out everyone out there, uh, this is your little home here. I just want to make sure you realize that when Jeff a moment ago said that everything was good in New Orleans, what he really meant is that it's a brutal freaking sweat fest down here. You take the opportunity to get out of town whenever you can. That's why Joel took this trip to Washington D.C. to provide sexual favors for a dog for the next couple weeks. You know, for his ex girlfriend. I think that he did the right thing. I'm really psyched for you, Joel. Thanks, man. I think it was a good call. It's been uh, super rainy here, and it's like it's getting down to like the high 60s at night, and only getting up to like 82 during the day. Um, it's pretty fantastic, and this dog is awesome. And it's you know, you're right. Look, homie. You got to get out of New Orleans in the summer for a little while, right? Well, as you know, I've been gone for like half the year the past three years in a row. So you don't have to tell me to get out of town. And I'm making plans right now. But right now I'm living vicariously through you. And just the thought of being in mid-60s temperature instead of when I was reading um, the weather forecast for today, they said that it might feel like 112 degrees. Yeah, is exactly what it said. Right. So listeners out there, just imagine you're down here in the swamp in the heat of the summer and you listen to your buddy talking about how is you know going commando and letting his testicles out in 65 degree weather and you're really jealous at that point you know what i mean and there's peanut butter involved and all that <laughs> stuff you know, all the normal tropes with a dog look all <laughs> all i can say is that there there's a period of time it lasts about three months in new orleans where uh nobody's hot water heater gets used at all i, I mean maybe there are people that, out there that are freaks but for me, I, I only run the cold water. No, only if you turn your air conditioning up so high that you need a hot shower. That yeah, would be yeah, the it. only oxymoronic right. thing that you could possibly right. do. Well, and depending on where your hot water heater is in your house, there I've lived in places in New Orleans where come late August, you can't get better than mildly cool water coming out of your pipes. No, you can't. I mean, the water is tepid right That's now. It's tepid at best. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's if not lukewarm. Darn right warm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's gross when you think about like, you know, I don't know, whatever. If you don't have a bottle, some bottled water or something like that, and the only thing you have is tap water. Don't do that. It's fucking <laughs> disgusting, man. Don't do that. The <laughs> Ebola gets really, really oh heavy during the summer. You don't no, want to drink that stuff. Not only that, but every year, every year, somewhere in the New Orleans vicinity, if not within Orleans Parish itself, there's at least five to ten reports of the brain eating amoeba. That comes along. Somebody gets no. the brain-eating amoeba. It's usually in St. Bernard Parish, and uh, and they they die from the brain-eating. You're amoeba. not talking. You're not talking about Jägermeister, right? <laughs> well, uh, the people have called that the okay, brain-eating that's why, amoeba that's why down there for generations, starting at Nick's slogan. Bar on Tulane Avenue <laughs> exactly. in 1974. That's more, but, <laughs> homie, that's more of a slow death that I'm currently dealing with. 
Th- that is true. Year. That is true. But we have time. We have time to get back to the Jägermeister. Yeah. That's for sure. But there's no doubt that uh, it's a special time of year here in the heat of the summer here in New Orleans. And you know what? Not to preempt you guys in any way or, or rush things in any way, but this is kind of tying into my rant of the week in a certain I way. I thought your rant of the week was going to be about the heat. Well, it's somewhat. Before, it's it's before related. We, Wait, we got some house cleaning? Sorry. cleaning? Sorry, I before we rent, just let me ask you real quick. Sure. Have the flying termites come out yet? No, Not- that, that that's that's in, like in April and May. Oh, that's in April and May. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I mean, over with, man. That's done. That's done. Yeah, no, summertime is oh, more... Oh, you know what it is? It's the cockroaches. I'm sorry. It's, it's the, the cockroaches, cockroaches and the mosquitoes, yes. which, are, which are big enough, large enough to carry a small infant away. They grow that large during yes. the summer, yeah. a la a line from the in-laws, if you ever saw that. Or, or, or the little ones, which are called German roaches, which is odd because they're small in stature, but the, they, they, they collect together in a blitzkrieg. And if you have, they say if you have one, you have like a thousand in your walls, you know. So like the the little ones are the worst because they collect in your cabinets. They like to eat grain. Any you know, if you have any kind of sugar product or something like that, even a drop or something like that is going to cause at least twenty five of those little fuckers to come along. And it's gross too because they leave behind those little egg sacks right. everywhere. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. And they <laughs> stick yeah, to the disgusting. wall. Yeah, it's totally. I mean, this. New Orleans could be clocked on a calendar based on the inf- insect infestations. No that doubt, happen. no, no doubt. But, I, so but I do, I do appreciate the anti-Aryanism that they call them German roaches instead of something terrible like Jewish roaches. You know, which would be the typical thing to expect, especially a small statured roach with a large yeah, yeah. nose or yeah, something like yeah. that. And remember, I'm allowed to say these things I know because that. I'm Jewish. You guys can, can't even. Roach upon the subject. Like anytime I can play straight man for you, let me know. Okay, that's, that's, I'll set that's it up. Our relationship. You knock it out. All right. But um, but but let me let me get back to this rant of the week, guys. And first of all, let me say this: that you know it's supposed to be the rant of the week, but it's right now kind of more like a rant of the month because of scheduling difficulties and other things that have occurred, and me going out of town. And so I haven't been here for a little while. It's actually been like five or six weeks since I've been able to deliver a rant. So thank you guys for letting me come today. I'm really excited to You're be welcome. here. And, you know, first of all, I want to remind our, all of our listeners that these rants of mine, Jeff and Joel, yes. all right, yes. they are always yes. about some essential aspect of the human condition. Mm. Okay, the last time that I was here, I spoke about loss and suffering when I told the biblical story of Job and the related story <laughs> about how I lost my free gym membership in Anytime Fitness. Yes. Perhaps you recall that the previous... It's a great story, it was, an, it, was, it was all heartache, okay? And it was. All, it and, was. and we've all been there. And that's, again, that these rants, they relate to something that we've all experienced as being part of the human condition. The time before that, I spoke about justice. Perhaps you recall, I got our own very own Joel and Jeff to issue a dog of the week retraction for the slander that they had levied upon me because I was speaking to that issue of justice that we're all concerned with as part of this human well, condition. Well, well, we had decided to do that before. Well, you decided it, but I like to think that I, you know, was the impetus to get it going a little bit. Yeah, maybe you you decided it, but you weren't going to do it unless I was in your face telling you guys to shut up, which is what, you know, (laughs) you guys are wonderful, you're my buddies, but in that moment, it was about justice, and it was about the human condition. And that's why I come here once again today, Joel and Jeff, and dear loyal listeners, to speak about another aspect that is central to the human condition. Let's hear it. And the aspect that I speak to today is the aspect of shelter, 
That's right, folks. Ever since mankind stood erect and strode out from the arboreal refuge of the jungle, struck out across the savanna in search of high-speed internet, he was also in search of shelter. The fourth of the four human essentials. No, exactly. It could be the caves in France where our Neanderthal cousins grunted and groaned. It could be the adobe thatch structures of Mesopotamia, the teepees of our American Indian brethren, a penthouse on Park Avenue. Every society, every civilization that has ever existed has needed some form of shelter. It is essential to all men and women. And that's why here, in our great city of New Orleans, Louisiana, where yeah. you at? That's right. Even though there are these antebellum mansions lining St. Charles Avenue, and even though there is this kind of recent trend towards this more like high-rise city type of living as they're building all these actual apartment buildings, it still remains, folks, that the bedrock, the basest, the bottom line of shelter and housing here in New Orleans is the simple shotgun. That's right. Now listen, I know you, Joel and Jeff, of course you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the shotgun, and all you listeners that either live here or have spent substantial time here, you know what I'm talking about too, but I do want to make sure that all this My house is, in fact, a shotgun. Your house is a shotgun as you well. You can shoot a shotgun from the front door and it will go out the back door. That's exactly house. correct. Let, let, me, let me make a, a few comments about exactly what a shotgun is, just yeah. to make sure everyone is on the same page as us right now. It is a simple single-story structure. It is classically painted white in order to endure the heat of New Orleans. It is classically raised about two or three feet off the ground by little stilts because of the chronic flooding that we experience here in New Orleans. And it is characterized particularly, normally, by being very narrow and very long. One room on top of each other in a line without a hallway, as Jeff is kind of mentioning, where you could just open up the door from one room to the next and you got this clear shotgun shot, you know, from the front to the very back of it, supposedly for ventilation and dealing with the heat that we experience here in New Orleans. But it's just one room on top of one another and there's many theories about how this structure came to predominate here in New Orleans and a few other places in the South. One popular theory is about how the tax structure used to be back in the day here in New Orleans and that you were charged by the width of the property rather than the length. And that caught a lot of traction. It was really a popular explanation to why there were so many shotgun properties. Oh, that's interesting. And, and however, yeah. they never actually found this law. There's no actual evidence of that idea, even though it gained a lot of traction uh -huh, and popularity. Uh -huh. Another popular idea is about housing in Africa and the Indies and places like Port-au-Prince in Haiti yes. where, you know, indigenous peoples were bringing that when they were transported here to the south under, you know, unfortunate circumstances, but they brought their architecture with them is one theory, and you can see these structures also in Port-au-Prince, and that's one other derived theory about how they ended up down here. Regardless of exactly how they came to start being built in New Orleans, it was around the early 1800s that they started, and by the end of the century, they predominated this town completely. They were the number one type of structure. And even though they stopped being built as frequently, they persisted throughout the 20th century. And kind of by the middle part of the 20th century, they have become the symbol of lower class urban living. What was once viewed as, you know, the great shotgun where you can move your family into New Orleans, you know, more and more progressively became the symbol of low income, low class poverty style living and it's still predominated completely here in New Orleans. In fact, I think that everyone that's ever lived here, including all three of us on the program right now, 
everyone has lived in a shotgun Absolutely. at some point or another, yeah. right? And now I want to get to the actual title of my rant tonight, boys, okay? Uh -huh. Which is this, my shotgun sucks. Let me sink that in for a moment, okay? People, because what I want you to realize out there, first of all, I don't want you to think of a house like you would normally think of in the Northeast. You know, I'm from New York originally. We have a certain idea of a house, or if you're on the West Coast or something like that. Whoa, Joel, watch it there. What? I don't know what's going on with the mic, man. What are you doing? What's all scratching? You're rubbing it up against your face, man? What are you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's just like scratching. It sounds like you're shaving. How's that? What's going on? sitting here uh is the dog licking the microphone <laughs> i'm just sitting here sorry i don't know what's going on well well the microphone's rubbing on something well man. i'm gonna i'm gonna plunge ahead though because yeah, i need okay, to get yeah. this off my chest yeah and what i want you to realize again folks this is not like a regular house that you think of and that's why they actually call it a shotgun shack not a house more appropriately actually I kind of envision it more as a lean-to where you're kind of camping out and you're communing with nature at the same time that you're living in your house. <laughs> All right, folks, picture this. You got your thin... You're always doing that a little, to a little extent <laughs> yeah, in New Orleans. Exactly. You know I mean? You're really communing with nature when you're in your shotgun because, for one thing, you got your thin wood plank flooring with the cracks and the holes in my shotgun, folks, where I could see the ground and the dirt a few feet below this, like, half inch worth of planking with absolutely no insulation or protective elements whatsoever of any kind. You also got your really thin either drywall or plaster walls without any insulation, the really old school windows that have been rattling for generations. The fact is, folks, that the shotgun shack does not protect you actually from any of the elements whatsoever, whether it's wind, the sound from outside, the heat from outside, the cold from outside. Speaking of which, let me mention that, of course, New Orleans is normally a sweat box. We led into that today, talking about how hot it is right now. But the fact is, my shotgun, folks, because it's geared towards this warm weather climate that we got down here, it doesn't have any heat of any kind whatsoever. However, think about this last winter when there were all these freezes and it's 25 degrees outside and my shotgun, it's like a prism. It's like an amplification system for whatever is outside. If it's 25 degrees outside, it's like 15 degrees inside because it's just intensifying the yes. cold while yes. you're sitting next to your space heater. Right. You know, sure. And God forbid you got to walk into the next room and put your freaking ass down on the toilet and stick there like your tongue frozen to a frozen pole during the middle of the winter. Right. Of course, not ironically, but purposefully in a way, now we're on the complete antipodes of the winter. Here we are in the brutal summertime when it's incredibly hot. And again, my house is like a prism, like an intense amplification of the heat outside. Yeah, I got, you know, I do have some air conditioning, unlike the fact that I have no heat. And I have these window units, you know, but they're weak window units. And with all the holes and the cracks in my lean-to that I live in and the warm air rushing through, it's like this cold air from the air conditioner is meeting this intensely hot hot air creeping through the floors and the wall to form a weather front inside of my bedroom, typically around three or four o'clock in the morning. And then I wake up to the rain that's released as the weather front kind of moves throughout my house and passes through my living room and rains on my computer <laughs> and everything like that. Another thing I want to mention to you folks, okay, you, you mentioned this too about, about the critics. Let Joel scrape on his microphone. It's okay. You know, my voice reaches the back of the theater. He can't stop me from my rant. No one can. That includes you, Donald Trump. No one can stop me. 
And let me say this about my shotgun. We talked a little about, you know, the temperature and enduring both the heat and the cold and your lean-to right. that's intensified. Yeah. You mentioned something about critters, about bugs a couple oh, minutes yeah. ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. And, and, and let me say this. When you live in your shotgun, again, communing with nature, you know, it's kind of like you are living in the same habitat as the bugs. You're really sharing the house with the bugs. Now, I don't know what's going on because I, I've been keeping everything closed, all my doors, all my windows, but either the bugs, the mosquitoes particularly, are breeding within the walls or they've got their little nests in the floor or they're crawling through the cracks to reach the smell of my blood, but it's a, a, impossible to keep them out and the shotgun shack is just always crawling with critters. Again, it's like, you know, you're laying out in your sleeping bag, staring up at the stars, and communing with nature while paying your rent and pretending like you got a roof over your head. In addition to which, like I mentioned, it's kind of like one room on the back of each other. That's the classic shotgun structure at least. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. every single room, each room is so tiny. I mean, you, you, you're just wishing that you can knock all the walls down because it's like bouncing off the walls of a pinball machine. You take three steps, you're at one wall. You take three steps, you're at the other wall. Yes, you see the doors going throughout the house. You feel the critters flying all over the place and nesting themselves on you, you're sweating because your air conditioner isn't making up for the heat front that's moving through the floor and moving through the walls. And let me say this, because I, I want to summarize by saying something really important and what I think ties into a lot of things about modern society, that the fact that something has been around for a long time doesn't make it some kind of wonderful tradition. New Orleans has so many awesome things about it, so many things that we want to perpetuate, that we want to keep these traditions alive, whether it's the music the parades, the food, the nightlife, so many things. And there's a lot of people out there that try and make the Shotgun Shack one of these quaint, cute, traditions, oh look at it, it's so long and it's so narrow and it's been here such a long time and I'm here to say tonight folks, even if this draws some heat and some controversy, which I hope it does, that even though the Shotgun Shack has been here for a long time, it's not a wonderful tradition here in New Orleans. It's time to burn them all down. I hope that I never live in a Shotgun Shack for as long as I live ever again. Thank you. Well, uh, all I can say to that is that there have been some uh, remarkable renovations that have taken place and I, and if you if you go around a little bit and look at some of the uh, because when I was shopping for this house I looked at one and I was very close to buying it really right around the corner from where Joel is living now and if not for the fact that it had Chinese drywall in it right I, w I would have bought it because it was like it was a really good renovation and what they've done is listen to exactly what you're saying and they knock out like the first two and a half to three rooms in the house and make it an open plan. Sure. And they have and then you have the and you have the kitchen. And I even hear people knock on the open plan. But I'm like, if you're knocking knocking on an open plan in a shotgun and you walk into one of these new renovations, which are cool looking, right? Right. And and okay. Like the AC works and like it's actually kind of warm in the wintertime, then you've never fucking lived. In what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, too. And listen, yeah. Jeff, I totally agree with everything you're saying that if you did enough work on a place to do such a great renovation that you took out all the aspects of shotgunness and turned it into a real house, then more power to you, and I'd love to live there, and that would be fantastic. Sure, but sure. we both know what the reality of New Orleans is. Oh, yeah. That pre-Katrina, 
these places, and I lived in them back in the day too, they rented for like 250, 300 bucks oh, a month, sure. right? Yeah. So you lived in a shack and you felt the breeze of the hot air or the cold air and you lived with your mosquitoes, but you said, oh, I'm paying 250 and you had a smile on your face. The fact is that the vast majority of these structures down here have not been renovated. That's They're the right. same, they were built for the lowest form of housing, the lowest income style possible, and they're still here and they haven't been renovated. And now, rather than being 250 or 300, they're 1150, 1200. You know, I know that some people, if they're living in New York or LA, they might go, wow, that's cheap. You know, but down here, that's what used to get you a mansion. And now, a mansion. A mansion. And now it gets you a tiny little shotgun where, again, you're kind of just camping out and communing with nature. And you're living in there the exact same way that some family did in 1930 when they were bitching about the exact same problems. Yeah, I just want to, I want to, I want to. Let people know that uh, not too long ago, well, 20 years ago. All right, that's a while, <laughs> but 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 not too long ago. I was uh, when I the second place that I lived in New Orleans. Yeah, uh, I paid four hundred dollars a month for this place. It had a porch, a full size porch that you could sit on, right? Like like you could be out there, smoke weed, and nobody would know. You know what I mean? Full size porch. Full-size yard next to it, uh, three-car garage, uh, a den, a living room, <laughs> wow. a a a uh, a miniature dining room, right? A kitchen, a, and two bedrooms, and what? A single bath and one bath. Oddly, it was there was only one bath, and then a back porch wow. as well. Four hundred dollars a month and a backyard. Like if you if you needed a dog. No or man, listen. We we could get it was unbelievable. We could get super nostalgic it about the old days and it and was the, a mansion. Yeah, and the prices. You know, a couple, it was bigger than the house that I grew up in wow. in Harahan. It's four hundred dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. A, a couple quick stories related to that same thing. Before I left this town, I coincidentally left right before Katrina and I moved away. Not because I had foreshadowing of the storm coming or anything like that. It was just a coincidence. But I was living on 3rd Street. And it was right off of St. Charles. And everyone listening out there, St. Charles is kind of a very, you know, upscale thoroughfare. It's the parade route. That's why I was saying all the old school antebellum pre-Civil War mansions are lining that road. And I had this giant, it was almost like a palace in a way, this huge one-bedroom apartment on top of a building with high ceilings. The thing was giant. It was right on the parade route. I was paying $3.25 a month for that place. Okay, for years, they never raised yeah. my rent. And coincidentally, every once in a while, I just look through the classifieds to see what's out there. And I saw that there was an ad for an uh, apartment in that exact same building that I'm talking about, and it was $1,200 now. It went from $325 to $1,200. And you know what? It still doesn't even compare to the first time that I ever lived in New Orleans, which was 1989. That's a long time time ago where I split a house with someone on Oak Street and we each paid $50. The house was $100 a month to rent. All right. So again, back then I wasn't, first of all, I was 21 years old. I didn't care if there were mosquitoes or what the temperature was, but I certainly wasn't complaining about what I was getting for my rent. The fact is now, I don't know how carefully people have listened to my rants and my speeches before. Maybe someone <laughs> out there might be saying, but you only pay a few hundred bucks a month for your um, shotgun because you're on this crazy program where the government pays half your rent. And that's true, folks. And yet I'm still here to bitch about it because of my rant about shotguns and the fact that I think it's time for the shelter situation in New Orleans to change. Interesting. Joel, you there? I'm back. 
Okay, all right. Yeah, we lost Joel. We didn't even know that we lost Joel. <laughs> yeah, we were just rambling Suddenly on. he called in. He called in. Yeah, all right. Oh, that's so cool that's worked. I just like my connection, you know, whatever. Dude, homie, I get you, man. It's uh, the shotgun thing. Here's the thing about New Orleans. Yes, yes. Look, we have a New Orleans podcast. Yeah, do we? we love New Orleans. Okay. We love the culture of New Orleans. And, and I... Jeff, you've heard me say this several times in the last four months, and our listener, our loyal listeners, as Phil Holmey would say, um, the New York Times is coming to New Orleans in December to talk about New Orleans being the future of American cities. <laughs> Who is? And it's the, the New, New York, York Times. Times. Oh, <laughs> and it's... it's fucking kind of asinine, just based on what you just laid out, Holmey. And, like, not just that. There's so many other things. But, I mean, culturally, there are some things that are happening positively in New Orleans that I understand why the New York Times are interested in, in terms of NGOs and nonprofits and entrepreneurship. But these base-level infrastructure things, like housing and roads and sewage and water board, are so critically fucked up wait how about know? drainage how about yeah how about well, that's that what meant, that's what i meant by sewage and water yeah no yeah. It, it is like this town still kind of exists in the 1890s in a lot of ways and that's part of why we love it but it's also part of why you might look askance at the prediction of it as the city of the future that's right and, and also there's no jobs well, well, it was funny, too, because, like, remember when Amazon made the announcement that they were like, we have to have a second headquarters somewhere in America. And every, no, every, every city it. in America was, like, masturbating over itself in a giant circle jerk of American cities, like, trying to compete for, you know, who was going to be the one who was going to, like, jizz on right. Amazon. The biggest. Except and, for uh, New Orleans. Ex- no, no, there were a bunch of people in New Orleans, but, like, Amazon was like, yeah, nah. Like right off the bat, man, and and there were these people who were like, who were like, we're going to compete. The mayor was talking shit about it. It's like there's no way, there's no way because we're barely American. Even still, even with all the gentrification, all the shit that's happened, we're it's a barely an American city, in a way. I mean, when you think about it, really, yeah, seriously. How do you, how do you mean? It? Well, well, look, man. I mean, it's just not. We're we're the only big city. In the United States of America, that is a post-colonial fucking city that belonged to another nation. Uh, f- other, I don't know what is that is bothering me so much. Man. <laughs> Whatever that is, man. What is going on over there, man? Are you is that rough? your foreskin? No, because that that foreskin stuff grows back. You got to keep gnawing at it like a beaver. Make sure skin. that microphone's not rubbing on something, man. I don't know. Yeah, let me let me do that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, because we're not. I mean, we're 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 the the. If you go way back, the background of the city is it's a post-colonial city, and uh, even if you want to say that, oh well, it's been an American city since uh, you know eighteen oh three. Yeah, since eighteen oh three, and how can you point to that legacy? And it's like, well, there were people who there was a French-speaking newspaper, French language newspaper in New Orleans until, I don't know, when 1910 or something like that, you know, so that's barely 100 years ago. Um, We're talking about being a bilingual city. Um, It was two separate cities when you talk about uh, Uptown versus uh, New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans eventually annexed 
what was then known as Carrollton, yep. um, which was the city of the Americans. Man, I, ladies and gentlemen, I have no idea what's going on. Joel is shaving with his microphone. I, I we don't know. This is an experiment with Skype. We haven't done this literally since the first time that uh, when in the first round of podcasts that we did back in 2012. And uh, but it seems like it's, it's going to be better. It's going to be better from this point. I just changed my posture. And I promise well, it's, you it's that's that is much better. Now it's not. I knew that. Now it's not scratching. Real quick, can can I just dog out of the week real quick? Can yeah, please. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Dog, dog out. Okay. Beats X by Dre. Oh, Beats X by Dre. Okay. Why? Suck. Sucks. Sucks Look, because the Bluetooth shit is terrible. Myself for continuing to use them, even though I know. That if I get into a comfortable position, relax on my couch, you hear shaving sounds or like razor blades against chalkboards. You know what I mean? And so now I am going to adjust my posture to where I'm like basically. Well, that's good. I, I, I'm surprised to hear that Beats suck so much. I don't know anything about it, but I just watched this documentary about Dre and Jimmy Iovine selling that company for billi- for billions. Yeah, yeah. and then it's like it's like the hip status symbol of headphones now, or something. It's a like really, that. it's a great documentary. By the you've way, you've seen that it is really great. HBO. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the defiant my, ones. Uh, the defiant ones. Yeah. My balls position. Like I'm gonna. Uh, right now, I'm in Indian style, as we used to say in the fourth grade. Uh, if you grew up in the, uh, in the in the 70s, and uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna suck my own balls, and then that way, if you can do it, will, my beats will work. So, well, well sounds it sounds good. it sounds better. It sounds well, better. Let, let me just let yeah. me just get back to our subject. Remember by, that position. Let me get back to our subject by I saying mean, one I thing will that. Not uh, get out of this position. Yeah, don't worry about your position. <laughs> you know everything that we're saying about the old school nature of this town. I mean, it's part of the charm. I don't want anyone to get us wrong that everything is about pros and cons and that we love the fact that it's like stepping outside of America when you come down to New Orleans. And that's an absolute fact. It's like, the only other place in America that's kind of like that is the Keys and Key West where you really feel like you're kind of in some other place. And and it is the the melting pot of cultures. It's the ancient traditions. And so there's a lot about New Orleans that you want to keep alive, that you want to keep those old school traditions alive. However, you know, the unrenovated shotgun house, as I've been saying tonight, is not one of these quite wonderful traditions. It's just the crappy, incredibly cheap housing that was built around 1910 and that they're now charging $1,200 a month for when it used to be so cheap. So while you're communing with nature now, it's not quite as pleasant as it used to be. You know, you know what it reminds me of, Ivan, is uh, I was in Belize City uh, a while back and it's like a shanty town. And it's not... I'm not saying that New Orleans is a shanty town. I'm just saying that, like, these shotgun houses you're talking about, which is comprises most of the city, from an aerial point of view, uh, probably looks kind of similar. I, to I, I, to- I totally agree with that. And, and it's also making me think, Joel, you know, like in my neighborhood, first of all, when I moved into my neighborhood, let me say this. First, I was the first white guy in the whole area, practically. You know, it's slowly getting gentrified, but it's very old school. And it's all shotguns and the crappiest, cheap style shotguns. And everyone's just hanging out on their porch all day and night because they don't want to be in their house. And it's, no, really, they don't. it's really uncomfortable and miserable That's now. Right. And it is part of that shanty town feel where everyone's in the street, they're all calm. 
calling out to each other. And there is a charm to that. Again, it's a community sure. neighborhood feeling. It's very charming until you have to go back in your crappy house and you go know sit sleep. there. Yeah, yeah, go to sleep go or to go sleep. or go to the bathroom or something like that. And then the charm fades away. You know, so it is a mess of contradictions, like so much of what New Orleans is about. Yeah, I agree. Right. But we can't just accept everything and think that everything that's been here for a long time is so quaint, wonderful, and charming. Some of it is crappy, and like you're saying, whether you you know refer it to the 1890s or a shanty town, there really is a lot about New Orleans. Like you're just stepping out of the modern world, you know, and you're back using an outhouse and living in a lean-to. Yeah, and that's why I find the whole idea that uh, the New York Times is coming here and and exemplifying New Orleans as a city of the future as ridiculous as the uh, 1975 Brian De Palma movie Obsession, which featured. <laughs> which featured New Orleans as the city of the future because that was the year that they completed the New Orleans Superdome and, or the Louisiana Superdome, yeah. as they call it. And, uh, and New Orleans was featured in that film, which had Robert Forster and uh, John Lithgow. I've seen it. In it and, uh, and also a young uh, Melanie uh, Griffith. And, uh, <laughs> and, nice. and, 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 and that film is the only film that I know in the history of New Orleans where uh, the location scouts and the producers were like, we need to get down there because New, New Orleans is an exemplar of the, the new south the of America. The future of America is New Orleans. It was that and another movie called uh, The Killer Bees, I think, which was all about like, that. yeah, there was like a made-for-TV movie. like No, it was something like The Horrible Bees or something like that. Anyway, there was like a, there was a VW bug and they put B... Uh, uh, excrement on it or something like that like bee love juice on it and uh Hot. And the, yeah the killer bees all went toward the and they got on the vw and they drove it into the superdome and they're in the superdome and this guy goes up to a control booth and there's some guy he's clearly a local right and they're like uh hey can we lower the air conditioning in here so low that we can kill these bees and protect the city of new orleans again once again an insect themed movie and air conditioning involved also and air conditioning involved and the guy was like i can lower it to 54 degrees in the entire superdome proudly exclaiming this probably in the most yad accent right i gotta find that scene somewhere but, but the air conditioning broke and the bees killed everyone that's more of the story i, <laughs> I wish that happened okay. but he lowers the temperature and the bees all die and everybody's fucking saved you got to see that movie, man. Did Snake Plissken there's come in to fucking, escape from New Orleans? Too? There's a scene in that movie where there's hippies dressed up as pirates. Uh, so you have masking. It's got all the themes, man. Right? Oh, so we're going to have to show that. So, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Okay, all right. We're going to have to show that movie. Control, well, listen, I wish you could look it up, man. It's like. the something bees, man. The horrible bees or the dangerous bees or something like that. Man, I remember seeing it as a kid. And, uh, and they, they, attacked, they attacked this couple... And, uh, and, they, and the killer bees kill him. Because that was a mythology when I was a kid. You always heard this on local news. Oh, the killer bees were that coming. The, the killer bees were the coming. The African killer bees were coming. And they were going to be in New Orleans at some point. And you better watch out because the bees are going to come and get you. And uh, they could have a, you could have a hive in your house. No, it was the boogeyman of the 70s. It was, it was the, the boogeyman of the yeah. right? Yeah. And the early yeah, 80s, like, yeah. Right? Syphil right. Syphilis and killer bees. <laughs> Those are the two things my mom threatened me with. Jeff, did you guys have, like, safety drills at school about bees? No, nah, no, nah, because everybody, like, 
just like everything else, it's like you have the, the disaster has to be upon you before no, any no, of the we, emergency we, uh, procedures oh, we, we the start happening. I'm talking about how things yeah. operate here in New Orleans. You know, the yeah, disaster has to be on top of you before you start thinking oh, cause, about cause it. Oh, because we had, we had, a, we had Killer Bees maybe come to New York. In North Carolina, we had like safety drills about tornadoes, earthquakes, even though it never happened, like killer flying thing. Like we just had like safety drill after safety drill. No, we had a, we, we nice. had a, it was called ours was called drop and flop. Oh because, yeah, 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 for the killer bees where you like drop down to the dirt and you roll around trying to get the bees off you. And we did that three times a day, nineteen seventy two <laughs> to nineteen seventy eight. Didn't didn't work though. Didn't work. And the only the only way I could really picture the killer bees never came. Yeah, the killer bees they let us down. But the only way I could really picture that well, New Orleans well, is global the, warming, guys. Yeah, the only way I could yeah, global warming. I was just about to comment. The way that New Orleans is the city of the future is that we're, you know the whole world is underwater, and so is New Orleans. And yay, we're the city of the future. And the, ki the killer bees never came, and the Japanese didn't buy up all of the American property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the you remember that one? That was I a did. great one. That was the big scare. Yeah, and if you masturbate too much, you go blind. None of it was true. None of it. <laughs> None of it. They had the yeah. sticker with the America, and it was being taken over by the red sun. <laughs> but there was never a movie about South Africans taking over our biggest beer company. No, 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 no. That's too close to the American. Yeah, that's, that's too. A... That's too close to the American dream. They would never allow that. You know what I mean? They have a bunch of ex-Dutchmen taking over the fucking biggest beer company in the world. No, uh-uh, can't happen. No way. Why is there not a movie about that shit? <laughs> yeah, we gotta start working on that. We got we got a, funny. a movie about all of the nightmares of the seventies. Wait, though, it's funny because Be it, that's Miller that you're talking about, Miller Coors, right? Because it's the other Miller, one, it's Miller Coors, and, and the other and one is South the, Africa, and then it's uh, Budweiser, which, Stella, and Brazil and Belgium. It's Brazil and Belgium. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Belgians deserve to own all the beer. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I don't know where the Brazilian thing comes from, but good on them. They don't have much in Belgium, and they really, yeah. you know, they never right. really want a war for anyone. So at least they can own all the beer. Exactly. They do have muscles over there. They got, they got some muscles they got over the muscles there. Over I've, there. I've been there a couple times. Yeah. I've driven through. They're into muscles. Haven't seen, oh, the muscles in Brussels. Yeah, of course. That's, well, that's, of course. that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole thing. But listen, guys, I want yeah. to I want to thank you so much for Shout letting me Belgians. vent and let me get this off my chest. What are you because, getting out of here? Well, I, I'm about yeah. I'm gonna let you guys get on with your programming here and get to my dinner. I just really wanted to come and do do my rant, and I'm, I'll come back soon enough. But uh, thank you so much for having me well, again. Well, I haven't. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. You pointed out a problem, which I agree with completely. I think Jeff does too. Any solution ideas? Well, I just, you know, look, if we really want to be the city of the future, it's time to look towards the future. We can't just hold on to the past. You know, where the money comes from, that's what I don't exactly know. But it's not about trying to hold on to and cherish every structure that was built between 1890 and 1910. You know, you want to track Amazon, you want to step into modernity and have this truly be a modern city. You know, that's why there's this huge trend. And I mentioned it at the beginning of the rant. I don't know if people are aware of it, but there never used to be 
any like high rise apartment building living in New Orleans. That was the last thing they ever thought about. Now the warehouse it, district was the only thing. And, but and that it only really happened was just after, warehouses. Yeah, yeah. You know, back in right, the day. Right, right, right. Yeah, it only happened after the World's Fair. Exactly. But they're right. popping up all over the place now, charging yeah. what, you know, old timey New Orleanians would consider an exorbitant amount of money to live in these high rises. So they're renovating all these old warehouses and all these old office buildings. And it is the trend. So they're trying to make some kind of change because again, if you're going to attract this new demographic, whether it's a middle class, whether it's more corporate, you know, you can't attract them by saying, you know, this is the accommodation that you're going to get. Uh, you know, your air condition is not going to work. You're going to be freezing in the winter. You're going to be covered with mosquito bites and you're going to feel like you're camping out when you go to take shit in your bathroom, right? That's impossible. So I think slowly, you know, ekingly moving towards a reconstruction of the shelter and the housing in the city is what we're aiming towards. But of course, I would imagine that that would be hard to come by and it would take a really long time and a serious influx of new money, you know, which could happen when something like if an Amazon came to town or something like that, that would be a lot of money to rebuild some stuff. Right now, I don't expect anything to happen so soon that I'm going to be able to get out of my shotgun anytime over these next few months. So I don't know why you went to D.C., Joel. You said you were going to leave me a key to your house so when I need a good air conditioning, I could go in there and masturbate and then you let me down. Yeah, what happened, Joel? I offered you a key to my house. I'm just so. joking. <laughs> I don't want to masturbate in the same place as you. That's disgusting. You know, I, would, I would prefer that you were in there masturbating. Well, I know you would. I know you would. And I thought about it for a second, but then I was like, ah, I'm not going to really go down there. But I appreciate the offer. And I just want all of our listeners to recognize what, you know, what must a shotgun be like when you're thinking that you need someone else's house to stay in, even though that you have your own house. Someone, Those, someone Shotgun. Yeah, someone else's shotgun. But your shotgun is a much tighter, much more modern renovation where the air conditioning, so you know, actually yeah, holds. And I, I even, we were having all the issues before, but you told the listeners about your uh, weather thing with the heat coming through the floorboard, meeting the air conditioning unit, yep. making it rain on you while you sleep. Every night. Yeah. <laughs> that's... that's Folks, that's Dude, that's been going on forever. That's like the spitting uh, wall unit. Is yeah. that is everybody the window unit? Exactly. And that it spits water. It doesn't just rain water. It rains watery mosquitoes at the same time, yeah. too. So you really... <laughs> Wake up covered in bites. It's absolutely insane. But Joel, you know, you were asking me about the solution. And look, I mean, you're the district candidate, not me. I'm hoping that guys like you get elected and do something about this town and make it, you know, a, a continuously wonderful place to live. Because while I want to keep Tipitina's and the Maple Leaf running at full speed with the, the blues and the R&B, and while I want, you know, the great Poe Boys and the Jambalaya to always happen, and while I want the Mardi Gras parades to roll every year and the Jazz Fest gates to open every year i don't want to walk into the door of my shotgun every year you know yeah. i would not be able to stay in this town and do that and i love this place beyond belief i hope that there are other future accommodations you know, you know the people you know what i'm in unfortunately there's like and jeff you yeah here. of course i'm here there's at least a century and a half of familial political corruption that continues to this day and I don't see any sweeping changes on any level coming anytime soon. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just see this like unfettered, like weird development. You know, uh, 
look, I'll just say this in turn we're talking about like construction methodology and whatnot and renovation. I mean, I like, for instance, like the way that this house is built. This is a cottage style shotgun, which is uh, you know, uh, a uh, a form of the shotgun um, that has rooms that are on either side of a straight hallway so that's that the goes thing, though, from Jeff, the front to the back. You, you have a hallway, yeah, which yeah. does make no, it an know, easier space to live in. You don't have to walk through but each room. But it's also like a, it's insulated and it has, it has central air and blah, blah, blah. And my, my point is this is like after Katrina, after a lot of places got flooded, a bunch of places got renovated and a lot of places got brought up to code. And, central and air. With central air and stuff like that, you're not living in one of those right now. There's an equal amount of housing stock out there that didn't get uh, the renovation treatment either, but some of the renovation treatments are like really cool and and great. Like they take an existing structure and make it into a livable livable place. Exactly what you're talking about. What I hate is like these places that are going up now. That stuff is anathema to New Orleans living because the one thing that you need is porch life in New Orleans. Because the thing about it is like like even my neighbors over here when they this is a suburban house. This is suburban treatment on a shotgun. It's a fake camelback that they built right here, right? right? I'd be plenty happy living in this house, right? But they put a porch as an afterthought that doesn't have a door to the porch, nor does it have steps that go up to the porch. And I love Kenny, don't get me wrong, right? Oh, uh, no, but that is the re- most ridiculous thing. It's the most seen. ridiculous thing in the world. It's so that it you can so say it's Kenny. so that you can say that you have Kenny. a porch so that it looks like you have it a porch. But but it's also just like it's a porch that is steeped in white it's like, paranoia. It's like those That's what it is. Right. Light, right? You know? It's like when you were a kid and yeah. your parents had candles that weren't to be lit. And no one's ever going to use that porch because or, all you have or, or even or fake fruit basket. All you have is a you have a, a you have a window to get out onto the porch and not a door. Right. Right? That's right. anathema to New Orleans living. These are the things that I think need to be preserved. Like, if you have a preservation society and you're like, we need to save this because of the antebellum properties of it, and I love Tennessee Williams, fuck off. What we need is to save the porch, right? And we need to, like, we do need to fight against these developments because the problem with The them porch and the 50 Rock. Is, is that, look, I love the fact that you have, like, you can have a pool and all this kind of shit, but who wants to live in a place that's essentially a nunnery? For crying out loud, you walk down a sterile hall that's essentially a uh, a fucking dormitory at a university. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made out of concrete. Uh, it's you got a steel door. You go in, and the, the the places are they're almost all the same. They're beat. They're built rather cheaply, and you know the amenities that you get is like you're like oh I'm safe because there's a gate and you press some buttons and you get through and blah 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 all the shit I don't buy it man no the I totally is, agree you don't get to know your neighbors and then you have to be beholden to some uh, fucking yahoo uh, group of people who want to be fucking quote unquote leaders within your within your apartment complex who are telling you what to do so even if you have like five people over you're going to hear about it you're just going to hear about it because they're going to yeah, be that, like that is not they're going to be like oh your shit was too loud for five seconds. You should be able to and play I have a baby. St. James Infirmary at any time that you want. No, as anytime. Loud as you possibly this is what I'm talking shrew. about. Like you want to live in a house that has a front-facing fucking porch that's renovated. Totally true. That the air conditioning and the heat works, and that has uh, that 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 has insulation that keeps the place at least 
relatively warm in the wintertime, right? And keeps it at least, you know, moderately cool in the summertime. So you gain some no, relief all, all those things when you are, walk inside. And you don't have yeah, that right No, now. all that is absolutely yeah. true. And as I was saying before, I mean, there, there are these pros. It is about the community feeling, about the neighborhood and everyone hanging out in their porches and in the street and calling out to each other. But like you're saying, that these renovations, they're about unshotgunning the shotguns. It's not like you're really That's making it. You're just making yeah. it an actual house and you're, you're putting a bunch of money house. to it. Fine. it. It's not the shotgun that needs to be preserved. It's the community. It's the neighborhood that that's needs right. to be preserved. That's and that's right. definitely not about that high-rise modern living that's no, coming to you. That, right, the that porch. is an anathema. And I don't know how anyone wants to like park in the giant parking lot, go through the lobby and take the elevator up to their apartment. I mean, folks, I'm from New York City. I lived like that for decades. I was so excited when I got to come down here, buy a car, and just walk up the steps into my house. It's so much more comfortable. It's so much more real living. They're transplanting this Northeast style of living down here. And yeah. it doesn't That's right. fit. It has nothing to do with the culture down I here. Agree. It can but, only break yeah, up the community but, feeling. Sorry, for the for the listeners. It can only uh, break up the community feeling. That puts a cap on it. What 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 neighborhood what neighborhoods are we talking about where this is at? Well, it's happening it's all CBD, over. Right? CBD. No. It's happening right here in Mid City. It is. Go take a ride down the fucking Greenway, man. There's two yeah. gigantic fucking developments that are happening right now that are being built. And there was one several years ago in the American Can Company. So they're all yeah. happening within these, like, go anywhere in the city where there was an interior of the city railway corridor that has uh, a swath of land on either side of the ra- where the railway That's was. A great call. And that That's is a great where call. you're going to see a lot of that shit happening. And, and believe me, one, believe one, me when one, I tell you this, yeah. it's right <laughs> next to the railroad tracks, uh, next to the river. In the Bywater, you have one right down there, right by by uh, Noka. Of course, you have it in the warehouse district. That was the natural progression of it. I actually don't even mind it happening in the warehouse district because there was There's just nothing em- there. It was empty warehouses, yeah. <laughs> and then it was the World's Fair, and then it was housing for some people. But you're right, so Jeff. It's, like, it's spreading. It's in mid city. It's going exactly, uptown. When exactly. they think about developments now, they think about this new middle class person that isn't as in tune with the old school traditions in New Orleans, and they don't. They're not thinking of moving down here and getting a quaint shotgun. They want to be on the 10th floor with a view of the river and, you know, uh, have their doorman and come up on the elevator, even though that's so antithetical to the actual New Orleans lifestyle. It's just so fucking lonely, man. It reminds me of uh, Faye Dunaway and uh, uh, Fly... Uh uh, what is it? The, the kind of days of the Condor, whatever the fucking name of that movie was. <laughs> you pulled some good movie references. Five tonight. days of the Condor. I like that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> days of the Condor. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what you're you know about. what I'm talking I about. I do. Right. I do. Exactly. Uh, that in that movie, like she lives in uh, uh, the the prototype in in New York, essentially of that kind of living, right? You know, and like Robert Redford winds up like he's the uh, spy that's on the lamb somehow and uh, he gets like tossed out into the cold because of some circumstance and he's got to run up a set of stairs and he knocks on a door in some lonely fucking uh, brownstone somewhere and uh, and she answers the door right Faye Dunaway answers the door right? right I mean you know what happens from there sex and then 
So and then he's there, and I'm like, I'm like, that's living. I lived in Washington Heights, man. I mean, nothing against New York. I love New York. Don't get me wrong. I'm from there. But and you're from there, right? Exactly. So I lived in Washington Heights, man. I was slogging it out after Katrina, working every day, 14 hours a day, editing Lydia's Italy. And uh, and when I was working on that show, I'm like, I'm living up there. My girlfriend left me, and I'm like, here I am, man. I'm fucking Faye Dunaway living in. Uh, you are Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Living I was going to come to that right? point too, but listen. Jeff, the history of New York is that it was this incredibly narrow island, like a mile wide, you know, built on basalt. It was all about, you know, high-rise living that has nothing to do with New Orleans whatsoever. It's an affectation, what they're doing right now, building yes. these high-rise yes. buildings. Like, look yes. at us. It's like we're living in the city. We're in like, the like brownstones are culturally relevant to the city of New York. Mm -hmm. Period. You know? And there is street life that happens outside 100%. of Brownstones in New York, and even to this day, no matter what anybody said, massive gentrification set aside. You know, even when I was living in Williamsburg, Puerto Rican community was out there, people on the street all the time. Even at South First in Bedford, yep. in in Brooklyn. You know, even after massive gentrification. You know, all through the aughts, when I arrived there, I was I was already on the third wave of people coming. I was old for right. crying. I mean, just old, ancient. <laughs> By the time I was there for crying, I'm out loud. sure. No, yeah. Williamsburg, you know this neighborhood in Brooklyn, folks, that we're talking about right now. Which back in the day, it was not even warehouse. It was just so run down, so abandoned. Garbage. There was Garbage. Nothing to it. And it's become the ultimate symbol of gentrification because That's it's right. so expensive now, and it's filled with incredibly young, mostly white hipsters, you know, that are spending an incredible amount of money on rent to live in a place that used to be the getaway from the getaway from the getaway of. Manhattan. Except know? that there's still rent control in a bunch of places. And so there's a very there's still a thriving Puerto Rican community. And then of course there's like a ton of waterfront property that's owned sure. by the Hasidic Jewish community that lives there as well. You know, so like you ha you still have a kind of a mix unless you're somebody who's like treats that as something that you don't want to engage in any way intellectually or that you don't want to observe, which I would say is you know, on average, like most of the hipsters that live in, yeah, I agree. in Brooklyn. You I know agree I mean? with that. I yeah. agree with that. And it's almost in a way like there's been this, you know, transplantation and migration down here post-Katrina. You know, the, oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, the, the hipster element has increased. The atmosphere of the Northeast has increased. And part of it is this high-rise living, which I do foresee continuing, you know, and, and gaining even more traction and popularity because it's a different type of person moving to this town that used to be. I mean, the first... Well, a lot of it, it's not just like people, it's uh, politics. Politics as well. Like, I agree. Well, Landrew, Landrew and our current mayor, uh, LaToya, uh, both incentivize developers to come from other parts of the country to do the type of film we're talking about you know um, not only that but also to buy up existing properties like the Treme and renovate them and get everyone out of this neighborhood that's from there I mean it's just it's happened like kind of in a blink of the eye in the last eight to ten years I don't know Jeff what do you think and I mean it's like well there's no doubt because I mean the truth of the matter is is that <laughs> is is that you know? Is it, New Orleans is it's a essentially a, a two horse town when it comes to its economy. I mean, I've compared. Look, the entire state of Louisiana is in a way. You know, I mean, aside from the rote things that you have in every state, which is like 
agriculture, lawyers, doctors, right? All of, you know, you have, you have these things in every state, like architects also. This, what are the things that make an economy special and drive it, right? Louisiana and New, or and New Orleans are driven by essentially two things, oil and tourism. That's it. Yeah. And I've compared Louisiana and New Orleans essentially to modern Russia. I mean, R Russia is essentially Louisiana with 275 million people in it. It's an entire nation of people who are suffering from the same lack of opportunity as the well, state of... Russia, Russia's having an oil and life of tourism. Yeah, they don't even have as much tourism as we do because just people don't want to go to Moscow as much as they want to go to as they want to come to New Orleans. Like New Orleans is per capita one of the top tourist destinations in the world. Sure. Um, and so, I mean, it's always been ever since I was a kid. It has always been. Oh, I mean, literally always. It has not changed in this way at all in forty years. Um, from from having this problem of significantly altering the economic diversity that has always been on the burner, on the front burner of everybody's tongues about what they desire, but ha is always on the back burner in terms of how to actually uh, motivate that and make it happen. You know, the only significant industry that I can say that has come to New Orleans and that has really planted roots here, um, ex with, the, with the exception of Bobby Jindal completely fucking it up a couple of years ago is the movie industry. The film industry. That's yes. it. That's the only one I can think. Yeah. Because you can't even... And even that one, as I've said before, is problematic because if you don't have... One, if you don't have the financing here... If you can't get financing for the films to happen here, then if you don't have executive producers here, and 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 that is uh, exemplified by the fact that no post production happens in New Orleans, no, New and, Orleans and and it's, and it tells you something about the movie industry. It tells you this: all the control, all the Listen, listen. I just want to say this. All the control in that business is about what happens after the production gets done. Of course. Sure. It happens in the cutting room. As, and that's an old trope that people say in the business all the time. The movie gets made in the cutting room. And the producers know that. And the editors know that. And even the directors know that. But you never get a director to admit to that. Right? Unless they have final yeah. cut. Of course. On the, on the film. But right? they shoot it for cheap down here. But, and then they make it someplace else. Exactly. They make it someplace else. So, well, so truly... Truly, all the all the brain power behind it, in terms of like how to motivate it, how to get the how to get the money, the scripts, the writing, the action, where where all the the the, the grassroots effort to get a film made is happening, still isn't here. So what we have, in essence, is we have the refineries. You know, that's what we have. Just like in the oil industry, we don't have the finance part of it. That all exists in fucking Houston. Right, that's all in in Texas, right? We have the refineries here. We get all the shit, you know. So and and that's even, why we have the shotguns. And the, that's why we have the shotguns. But 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 look, all all I can say is this: is that it's fun. I still consider it great that they, you know, those are high paying jobs. 
um, and highly skilled jobs, even if we only have one aspect of that business down here, it's better than having none at all. Um, no, it's great and, that that came down. And, and, and I know great. that I know that people are like, there's there's people who dog it out because they're like, all those people in the film industry uh, got a bunch of money and they bought up all these properties. That it's such a joke when you think about that because, um, like that somehow was the root of gentrification in the city of New Orleans. I I take umbrage at that because I have friends in that business, uh, for one, and I I know that they're not. I mean, th those people. To do what's happened in the city requires a lot of capital that comes from outside of the city of New Orleans in terms of like the property buy-ups that have happened uh, because of Airbnb and because of investment properties. And I know that that's the case because when I bought this house, I talked to the real estate agent and she was telling me, she's like, look, man, I'm telling you right now, nine out of ten people that I sell homes to are just investment class individuals. I don't even know who they are. They're from LLCs um, uh, that are not based in this in Louisiana at all, right. and they just want to buy the properties in the city of New Orleans. And and that well, not, and, and that, that goes back to Latoya Cantrell, our current mayor. But that's who, that's the story that doesn't get told enough because no, but what I'm, happens? What no, she I understand. Apparently went to California and oh, I know, I know. I mean that's a big. It's kind of a big story that no one's talking. About. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that is that look, it's it's not happening the way that people think that it's happening. And don't get caught up in this thing of like getting on social media and blaming some group because like certain people are doing well because they happen to be involved in an industry that pays pretty fucking good money. I can tell you this: people in who are from Louisiana. Um, ain't getting paid the same amount as union motherfuckers in L.A. They're not in San Francisco, or, or in New York City, in right? One of the reasons why they're coming here is because people are aware of the fact that you can get away with a labor rate that's maybe $100, $150 cheaper per day for all the below-the-line talent because we are in a right-to-work state. That's one of the main things, other than the tax credit. You know, Even with that, they're making money... That's fucking 20, 25 times. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's an economy of scale in the United States that's happening that essentially makes Louisiana like to California what Mexico is to Louisiana in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. it's, it's, like sure. it's like people come to the United no, no, States Louisiana from Mexico because the dollar is worth so much fucking more. Right. You know, and you can spread a dollar across like so many fucking days. Yeah. In Mexico, you know what I'm saying, and like, and like people come here because they realize that. I mean, that happened to me when I was in New York. You know, the dude had had experience working in Louisiana, so he was familiar with what the rates were. So even when I landed in New York, he was like, "I pay you uh, same rate as uh, what people make in uh, Louisiana." Right, but I was you happy. Couldn't even buy a bagel. But I was fucking. I was happy. I was happy because I was like, "Hey." I got a job, you know, and I'm I'm working in New York, so at least that's something. Um, whatever. Well, you know, thank God you're not there anymore. I'm, I thank God <laughs> yeah, I'm not there anymore. Exactly. Right. Look, I know this is Jeff's rant of the week. Yeah. The way, folks. Yeah. Uh, so 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 look, all I can say is is that uh, you know, good on my friends that are in that business. That's a tough fucking business. It is. I'm in it in a peripheral way. 
shooting video and doing other things and working in media. You are as well, Joel, and you are as well. Uh, little homie I Ivan. Am? I yeah. am. You are. You wrote a fucking movie that got That's made. True. What are you it's talking true. about? Brother Shadow. It's on Netflix you right now. You are a screen, bona fide screenwriter. I'm a bona fide oh, something. How many people in this room can say that they have a film that's on Netflix? Bam. Me. And one guy right here. One. Right. One. Even amongst all the crew members that I know, all these people that are made that I just referred to, there's not a single one really? that has a movie that they wrote that's on Netflix. Exactly. So, you know, count your blessings, man. I'm telling you. All right? I got an Emmy nomination. I'm Jewish. I got a movie on Netflix. I'm counting my blessings yeah, right now. And I live in a shotgun shack, everybody. <laughs> Listen, guys, uh, I apologize. Ironically, I just got a text from my landlady, and she needs to get into my house. She's telling me right oh, now. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm about to go wow. back there. But but listen, guys, um, thank, Let her you, know. thank you so much. Let I her know. know all about my rant. Thank you so much for listening to me tonight. It was great to come back on the show. I hope I get to come back soon. Joel, I hope you have a blast out there. We'll talk soon. Jeff, it was great to see you. Word. I love you guys. I yeah, love right. it's a goodlifebabe.com, and I always love coming here. Folks, thanks for listening so much. I'm going to leave it to just us chickens now as you guys close out the program good but good night everyone and i hope to speak to you all again soon thanks homie little homie all right folks we're gonna pick it up from there and uh we're gonna take it out uh joel and i just us chickens here on the yeah, it's a good life baby oh man we're at a buck three right now are we gonna do another episode man what are we gonna do here i think i think we just do this one we're just gonna do the one what do you what's up to you I don't know, man. There's so much shit to talk about because this well, fucking let's country. Take a break and do I don't even care. I don't even care anymore about this country. Let's let. We I don't feel like I live in the United States because I'm from New Orleans. So there you go. That's right. Well, what do you think, man? Do you wanna? Do you wanna do? Uh, I'm in DC. I have some thoughts about what I'm seeing around here. Um, do you wanna do another episode? Yeah, let's do one more. Let's do one more. We'll take like a five-minute break. Okay. All right, folks. We'll be back. <laughs> All right. It's a good I like how we do that, Joel, where we give it away. That we're like, oh, it's a five-minute break when we're trying to pretend that we record on separate days. Okay, folks. We'll be back. It's a good Jeff and Joel's Tales from oh, New Orleans. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right.